So, good afternoon, and uh, welcome to this uh, workshop. My name is Afe Adugame. I'm one of the organizers of this workshop. Uh, on behalf of my colleagues, David Daniels, uh, who is here, and uh, Yolanda Pierce, uh, who is here in spirit, would like to welcome you to this uh, workshop, African Christians and the Reformation. Uh, just to say very quickly a few words of uh, thanks. Uh, first and foremost, I would like to express our gratitude to the president, uh, the academic dean, and the administration for supporting uh, and funding this event as part of the uh, wider events uh, marking the 500 years uh, reformation anniversary. Uh, I would like to also express my uh, gratitude to all the speakers uh, for this two-day uh, event uh, who have uh, left their very busy schedules and uh, are here to share uh, their research uh, with us. So thank you uh, to all of you who have uh, made it here this day to be part of this conversation. Uh, let me also say very quickly a word of thanks to Emmy, uh, Ellen, Yvette, and the events uh, uh, department uh, who have worked tirelessly behind the scenes. Uh, handling logistics and other uh, very important uh, issues to make it uh, really uh, work out this way. Um, finally, I would like to express my uh, thanks to colleagues, uh, PTS colleagues, particularly from the History and Ecumenics Department who are represented here. Some are also joining us tomorrow. Uh, but uh, also for the students who are here, uh, I hope that this will be, uh, at the end of this two half-day event, uh, you have a lot to take away and uh, also to be part of this uh, conversation. Okay, so uh, that would be my way of starting, and I would like to invite uh, my colleague David uh, to come and say welcome as well. I'd like to join um, Dr. Afe Anagame for expressing appreciation for um, you both being here and especially for our speakers who've come. Um, last year, there was a publication that I contributed to and there was a question, was the, the title was a question, will African Christians become a subject within Reformation studies? And this conference reflects that. Um, and it, it's the opportunity to figure out how Africans can be part of that conversation um, especially when one looks at the long Reformation, um, going at least to 1700, um, our scholars, especially today, uh, are already writing in that area. But one of the things, if you read their bio, um, none of our scholars are religious scholars. Um, they are in Dutch studies, and American studies broadly defined, or transatlantic studies, uh, and, in, 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 and in English um, literature. Um, and so, so they're, they're outside of the field of religious studies, but they're writing about African Protestants, in some cases, uh, African Catholics, um, during this time period. And um, our goal, um, Professor Adegame, Professor uh, Pierce, and I, our goal is to say, why can't they then be subjects? They're legitimate subjects in, in Elizabethan studies, Dutch studies, and transatlantic studies. Why can't they be legitimate studies in Reformation studies? So, so you're on the cutting edge. Um, during this 500-year celebration, this is one of the few places um, in, in the world, literally, that is discussing Africans in relationship to the Reformation in the, 15, in the 16th and 17th century. 
So do feel yourself as history makers. And then my last comment, um, there's a whirlwind in some theological circles on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, a week and a half ago, I published an op-ed um, that I didn't title, but the newspaper titled it, Honor the Reformation's African Roots. And then it got picked up by Religious News Service, and they also gave a title that I would not have used, and it's called um, Martin, Luther, Martin Luther's Dream Church. Dream was in quotation marks, and it's not in Europe. Um, so so you're, you're in this place, and so people are trying to grapple with what does that mean, and I'll unpack some of that tomorrow. Um, but again, this is an opportunity that is possibly either a dead end, that people say there's nothing to talk about, or it's the beginning of a new day, and our Reformation scholars will begin to read the works of people that you're here today. So welcome, and again, we're excited for a great conversation. Oh, I should say, thanks to Dr. Adegami, because he did all the heavy lifting. Um, he, he and Dr. Pierce are supposed to do it, but she, of course, is in, in uh, D.C., so thank you, sir. Yes, I must say that this conversation started uh, sometime last year. Uh, we were at a conference in Germany uh, that was convened by uh, my colleague there, Frida Ludwig. And uh, following that conference, we thought perhaps we should have, you know, take this kind of conversation forward. And so uh, I, I would really say the push was from David. I, I only had to obey his orders. <laughs> Okay, so thank you so much. Uh, you have the program be before you, and uh, we will try to follow that uh, meticulously. And uh, we have the speakers uh, presenting uh, each for about 45 minutes, and that will leave us in each case with 30 minutes uh, Q&A and discussion. Uh, I know that the two speakers today uh, will be leaving us uh, to attend to uh, pressing uh, official assignments, but uh, let me just uh, express my gratitude for your time, uh, you know, to be here. Okay? All right, so uh, by way of introduction, what I wanted to do was perhaps, uh, because the, uh, a lot of the papers at this uh, workshop would be focusing mainly on 15th, 16th, 17th century, I thought I should, you know, fast forward before we rewind, okay? So this is what I'm trying to do, looking back to the future. Uh, to what extent uh, do I understand uh, the whole reformation uh, enterprise, uh, particularly from the point of view of uh, African Christianity? And uh, so I thought it was uh, important to, to start this way uh, the Protestant world is currently preoccupied with commemorations of the 500th anniversary year of the Reformation, although with more celebrations in Germany, parts of Europe, and, and the global north than in the global south. This year, 2017, marks a significant watershed for world Christianity, symbolizing the historical trajectory from Martin Luther's Ecclesia Revolution in 1517. Although what constitutes the Reformations transcends this experience with hindsight of encounters within the, the Catholic uh, tradition, this singular uh, momentous event resulted in a huge uh, coterie of church denominations and affiliations now existing within the fluid umbrella of Protestantism. 
This historic moment affords also an opportunity for reflexive nostalgia with regards to the impact of the Protestant Reformation in translating and transforming Christianity across the globe. It also allows us to cast a critical glance at the secularization process as a backlash and most probably an unintended consequence of the Reformation. Attendant to this is perhaps another unintended impact, that is, the shift in the center of gravity of Christianity from the global north to the global south. And we continue to witness significant global changes in Protestant Christianity since 1517. There are now 560 million Protestants found in nearly all the world's 234 countries, as suggested by uh, the Center for the Study of Global Christianity uh, Research, with the two largest Protestant demographics in Africa and Asia, respectively. The survey report also claims that and I quote, despite Europe being the birthplace of Protestantism, it is expected that by 2050, less than 10% of Protestants will live in Europe. Today, Africa is home to 41% of all Protestants. By 2050, it's expected that 52, 53% of all Protestants will live in Africa. So, uh, this center has provided quite a lot of uh, statistics uh, looking at Protestants by, by continent. Uh, and uh, the statistics uh, is, is obvious. At the same time, they have uh, provided you know, uh, statistics about countries with the largest populations of, of Protestants. Uh, of course, I mean, these uh, figures uh, can be very well contested. Uh, I, for one, uh, don't believe strongly in, in these statistics, but they do tell us something about uh, some of these uh, developments that we are witnessing. So the survey also shows us Protestants in the context of, of Christian traditions, uh, trying to see Roman Catholics, Protestants, independents, and Orthodox. Uh, of course, these terminologies are fluid in themselves. Uh, and uh, this is partly demonstrated sometimes, uh, as we shall see uh, in the next slide. Uh, but here, again, they give us figures of the largest Protestant denominations in a country. And uh, these figures, uh, uh, I think, speak volumes, uh, even though we can query uh, the authenticity or the, 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 the modes of, of, of this kind of statistics. But what is also important is the fluidity, you know, what, what is considered to be Protestant today. Uh, and uh, we can see uh, to what extent uh, the fluid boundaries between Protestants and Evangelical and Pentecostal Charismatics. So uh, it's no longer a, a straightforward uh, 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 answer. And uh, I, I like this slide very much because it always uh, also first shows how ignorant the, the BBC can be, you know. But at the same time, it says something about the Anglican Church worldwide, uh, and you can see the statistics, uh, even though uh, here it's shown uh, that uh, West Africa is a country, you know, 
and Nigeria is not part of West Africa, yes. But I, I think what might simply be useful is just looking at the statistics. I think it shows you uh, that in terms of uh, demographics, something is really happening. Having said that, we might ask the question, what triggers this rapid demographic shift? And I think uh, much research is showing that this has not uh, happened uh, largely through the work of missionaries, but much more so through the work of local agency. And I think this is very important in, in trying to understand today uh, the place and texture of, of African Christianity. But we can also ask how we can possibly capture this vast richness, um, perhaps also contradictions that are evident in, in African Christianity in light of, of globalization. But that is a topic for uh, another day. So what I will try to do uh, very quickly is to highlight some imprints of, of the reformations and then perhaps uh, towards the end of my introduction, uh, focus on, on the African instituted churches or the African indigenous churches and the whole debate about reformation uh, just to end. Perhaps it's pertinent to ask questions like this. Did the European reformation and its various Protestant streams have a direct or indirect impact on this religious mobility and revival in, in Africa? Perhaps put differently, how did Africans conceive of, understand, and speak about the European Protestant Reformation historically, but also in contemporary time? What is happening as we have at this time all kinds of celebrations across Europe and North America? What exactly is happening in Africa? I think it's an important question. How relevant is the uh, Reformation in coping with their everyday lives and experiences? And perhaps a very pertinent question would be, what lessons and promise does the anniversary have for African Christianities in their quest for social and political responsibility within the abstraction one world? And I think perhaps these questions uh, would, uh, we will come back to some of these questions uh, uh, shortly. Now, so let me try and uh, quickly say a few things about the AICs, the African Indigenous Churches, or instituted, or initiated, or international, or independent. Uh, I, I think these various um, acronyms represent one of the most profound developments in the transmission and transformation of both African Christianity and Christianity in Africa. And, uh, to a large extent, the African instituted churches constitute a significant filament of African Christian dem demography. And uh, I single them out because it was with their proliferation that actually led scholars to compare what was happening in Africa with the European Reformation. So that is why I, I like to simply zero uh, in on this. And so what is uh, significant is the question, uh, uh, the point made by John in Beatty in, in 2008 in describing AICs as an African op opportunity to mess up Christianity in their own way, you know. So what does this mean? And uh, I won't go into uh, who makes up the AICs, uh, uh, but you can find this phenomenon 
in, in different regions of, of, of Africa, West Africa, East Africa, Southern Africa, uh, uh, Central Africa, but perhaps not in North Africa. Uh, although there's sense in which uh, aspects of, of Coptic Christianity uh, are linked to indigeneity and so on and so forth. Okay, so now what is interesting for me is how AICs, or this group of churches, uh, were seen as a, a fundamental reformation of African Christianity. And uh, here I just want to isolate a few scholars who, who started the debate. And uh, the first was uh, James Webster, who spoke of the rise of African churches in the period 1888 to 1922 and described it as an African reformation. Following uh, Webster was David Barrett's groundbreaking uh, book, Schism and Renewal in Africa, that attempted to make a cogent case for seeing ind independency as a manifestation of a vast movement of reform of the Christian community that is not restricted to AICs alone. So this is the point. Uh, of course, here I'm focusing on, on the AICs, but David Barrett is not limiting this to the AICs. The, again, Pentecostal charismatic movements that, that come into uh, this uh, picture. Uh, so uh, these were not the uh, only two scholars who try to liken this phenomenon, this development to, to reformation. There were other scholars who, who followed in this, uh, in this uh, regard. Uh, however, I, I consider some of the reflections by uh, uh, Barrett very uh, interesting. Uh, for instance, uh, David Barrett said, and I quote, there is a striking number of parallels between the story of African independence as it has unfolded thus far, and this is writing in the 60s, and the European Reformation of the 16th century. If you want to read a bit more about his argument, uh, chapter 13, with the subtitle Renewal and Reformation in Africa, uh, is, I find it very illuminating. So here he attempted to describe the AIC movement as one with, quote and unquote, a radical mission of renewal and reformation. And according to Barrett, AICs constantly refer to themselves as a reformation of over-Europeanized Christianity, unquote. And again, quote, are conscious of a kind of a reforming mission. And I think this already points out the kind of uh, comparison he was trying to, to, to put forward. Uh, and uh, uh, just one or two more points uh, uh, from Barrett. Uh, he argued and described the entire AIC movement, quote again, has discovered and implemented some of the major theological concerns being expressed elsewhere in the world concerning a reformation of the Christian community, unquote. And I think uh, he, he was making a very salient uh, point here in trying to, to kind of contrast, you know, what happened in the 16th century and what he was now observing in the, in the 20th century and, and perhaps asking, can we draw parallels of any, uh, of any sort, you know? To what extent can we uh, see commonalities 
but also to what extent is the European Reformation drastically different from what is being observed within the, the continent and, and beyond. And so finally, uh, Barrett says that this reformation had occurred in the context of Africa itself, spurred on by the vernacular translation of the Bible, as was also the case with, quote, numerous earlier trans uh, reformations and theological re uh, uh, renewals in history. Of course, I mean, this is very well contested. Uh, I remember in Germany last year at Frida's conference, uh, I had a provocative title from, Af from European to African Reformation. And uh, some of my German colleagues said, no, 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 there's no way you can compare. There are two different things. And I said, okay, what is Reformation? Maybe we, we unpack this. It talks about reform. It talks about mobility. It talks about transformation. So is, there, is this not a way we can also express what is going on? You know, and they were, they were not convinced. But anyway, <laughs> I kept my arguments. OK, so let's leave Barrett and uh, take one more scholar. Hans Jürgen Becken, also in his research on the AIC movement in South Africa, talked about African reformation of Christianity, which he described as similar to the protest, Protestant Reformation in, in, in Northern Europe. And so the question that emerges is, wh what does it mean you know, when scholars you know, try to compare the 16th century uh, phenomenon and, and event with what uh, you find you know, currently? And uh, much more recently, Alan Anderson actually came up with a book with the title African Reformation. Again, on the one hand, he was uh, not focusing simply on AICs, but in another, in another uh, level, he had a theological definition of AICs that you know, uh, spanned beyond AICs themselves to include Pentecostal charismatic uh, churches. And uh, the central thesis of this book is that uh, African, uh, Africa, uh, sorry, Yes, uh, we can talk about reformation of the spirit that has re revolutionary, uh, re revolutionized the face of Christianity. And uh, I, I think if we read his argument, um, he, he has many things to, to say in this, uh, in this uh, regard. Uh, in a way, the book uh, provides an extensive overview of AICs and Pentecostal charismatic churches in different parts of, of, of Africa. And uh, of course, following uh, his book, Joel Tishkin Tish uh, wrote a brief history and typology of the African Reformation. So why am I bringing all this? I'm just trying to show that the, the whole attempt to compare uh, what was happening in Africa and what happened in Europe in the 16th century uh, started you know, in the 60s when, when scholars started to ask these questions. Uh, but I think those questions are still very relevant for us now as we mark uh, uh, the 500 years uh, uh, anniversary. Uh, because of my time, uh, let me come to the last part of my uh, presentation. So is there a sense in which we can look at reformation as a continuum? as an ongoing process rather than as a one-off event. So in other words, what enables us to look at the 16th century event 
and see what we are experiencing today as an impact, as a consequence, you know, of what happened then. In other words, to what extent did this singular event shape the texture of Christianity globally? And I think this is an important point. And therefore, perhaps we might argue that African reformation in this regard uh, may serve as a kind of a continuity, but also a rupture of European Protestant reformation. And perhaps this may help us to, to explore not just the affinities, not just the commonalities, but also peculiarities and ambiguities that are inherent in, in each, uh, each uh, process. And what this might suggest uh, uh, partly is that binaries of Catholic Protestant uh, dichotomies are too fluid, you know, they are too simplistic and, and vague to map the complexity of African Christianities. It is much more, uh, taking the AICs for instance, uh, that are in their, you know, thousands, you know, where do we fit this category of churches? So Pentecostal and Charismatic churches, just as the AICs, are sometimes perceived as actors in the mobility of Protestant Christianity in contemporary uh, uh, Africa. But I, I think it leaves us with a question, uh, are these Protestants as, as well? You know, what are they protesting against? I think these are larger questions we, we can uh, perhaps. So what I've done, uh, just by way of uh, concluding, is to perhaps think of ways in which one might attempt to contrast African Christianities as African re Reformation uh, with European Protestant Reformation. And uh, uh, here I just uh, itemize uh, a number of uh, threads. For instance, uh, looking at uh, periodization, looking at uh, the spiritual renewal process that is uh, still uh, unfolding or perhaps looking at it from a political angle, uh, the challenge of uh, orthodoxy, hegemony, and uh, all ideas around paternalism, you know, that we, 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 can, we can look at uh, both, uh, uh, both uh, contexts. Then, of course, cultural imprints and uh, spontaneity, uh, question of agency, uh, catalyst for, uh, for change. I mean, I, I could expand on each of these issues, but we don't have time for that. But also the attitude to gender parity, you know, culture, theology, reaction to other faiths, uh, and so on and so forth. But the very contestation of, of, of Christian identity itself uh, becomes an important point to, to think through. And uh, finally, we, we can also think about the global reach and, and impact uh, uh, that we might uh, uh, maybe uh, uh, talk about. First, looking at the European uh, Reformation, but also looking at what some scholars now take as African uh, reformation. Okay, so uh, to contrast, therefore, I'm asking the question, how has Africa as a continent, Africans as individuals, African churches as institutions responded to the European, but also the African uh, reformation? And uh, I tend to look at this uh, ambivalently, looking at their reactions but also uh, their responses. And perhaps one way that might be instructive to do this, uh, I, I thought about looking at it from the institutional uh, angle, looking at it from the, 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 uh, the level of the public, but also the level of, of the individual. 
And uh, I, I think we could explore, for instance, at the level of the state, you know, colonial and post-colonial dynamics. Uh, we could compare uh, the whole dynamics of mainstream versus non-mainstream Christianity. We could look at local global ecumenical networks. But at the same time, we could even look at the whole demonization process, which you find you know, in, both, uh, uh, in both cases. So uh, I have been thinking in my head, perhaps of this way to try to make sense of this attempt to contrast you know, these different you know, processes. And uh, I find it quite useful uh, so far uh, in trying to do that. But the last thing I would say, just to end, is that how are African churches or individuals or institutions actually trying to mark the, the 500-year anniversary? Are they doing, who is doing what? And if you look at across Africa, yes, definitely. There are many ways in which African churches and congregations and individuals are marking this. But is it the same way? Do they have the same memory? Do they have the same history you know, with what we, we are witnessing in Europe and, and North America? So I just wanted to end, for instance, with um, a Pentecostal church having a, a one-day workshop to celebrate the 500-year anniversary. And uh, this is what they call a one-day national conference on the 500-year anniversary of Martin Luther's 95 Thesis and the Reformation. A way of kind of thinking about the impact. What has a Pentecostal church got to do with this? So this is the question I'm asking. If an event that was organized by a Pentecostal church Bible college, you know, to try to make sense of Martin Luther and the 95 Thesis and the impact, then I, I think we have something interesting to, 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 to have a conversation about uh, this afternoon and tomorrow. So thank you for your attention.